Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? It is wonderful. I can say this. It's wonderful to be back with y'all. Um, it's, it's good to be back in the house. It's good to, to worship with you all. Thanks. Uh, first off, thanks uh, to you all just for the, the ability to get away. For those of you who are unaware and don't go to church enough, um, uh, my wife and I were commanded by our elders to take uh, three weeks off. I had to explain to several of you, uh, it wasn't disciplinary. Um, seems to be a rumor going around, so unless I wasn't informed, uh, was not disciplinary, uh, uh, so also thank you to Doug and to, to Jeremy and to Tyler for covering, uh, the pulpit while we were away. I, I was able to watch each of them, thought they did a, a wonderful job bringing their perspective to, to this, and we'll, we'll talk about the series here in a minute, um, but just, just really quick, um, Maybe, maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't. You've been around long enough, you do. Uh, back in 2020, does everybody remember 2020 or does everybody forget 2020? We all want to forget it, I know. But if you remember back then, um, it was in 2020 that uh, the elders uh, kind of uh, laid out before you all. They decided that, that they wanted to have Ty and I take uh, a 12-week sabbatical in 2020, and then 2020 happened. So the sabbatical didn't. Uh, instead of working less, we all worked more. Amen. <laughs> like we figured out how to put church on the internet, which is is just it is what it is. Um, and uh, and so that didn't happen. And so so toward the end of last year, the elders kind of came to, to Ty and I and said, "Hey, you know, when are you guys wanting to take the sabbatical? You st- we still want you to do that." And and we kind of said, "Hey, well, we really feel like we'd rather kind of wait until 2023." Uh, 2022 might just be the sequel to 2020, so let's wait until 2023. Uh, and they said, okay, well, if you're going to do that and t- take a longer sabbatical in 2023, they, they wanted us to take these, these three weeks off. And, and, and here's why I bring that up. Um, this was not something they asked us to do because uh, Ty and I are just burnt out and ready to quit and we just can't handle this anymore. The, the truth of the matter, and I, I speak for both of us, um, and, and if she disagrees, she'll let you know, um, that, that we are more excited today about what God is doing in this house and through this house than maybe ever before. Um, I'm not burning out. I think I'm just getting started. Amen? <laughs> um, so so uh, re- really, that, that's, that wasn't the, the, the reason for it. However, uh, that caused me to sort of go into a little bit of a wrestling with the Lord as to why he was asking us to do this. Uh, don't, don't worry. The, the, the humor was not lost on me that I would be calling our church to rest for the last several months, and then they would make us rest. Um, that, that was the, the, the humor wasn't lost on me. Um, but really, I just kind of went into it not really knowing kind of what the Lord would have. And, and I, I'll, over the next few weeks, I'm sure I'll share more. But one thing I just want you to know, I just need you to hear this from me. I came out of this um, not with some grand new vision, uh, because come on, we don't set the vision of this house. He sets the vision of this house. Um, we don't get to pick what we do as believers. We, we get to be obedient. Amen? 
Uh, it's, it's about obedience, not about outcome. The, the vision, the, the, the purpose, the direction for us was set not when we started uh, Sozo Church, not when they started Rock of Ages, not when they merged together. When the, the, the purpose and the vision and the mission of the church was set 2,000 years ago when Jesus told us what to do. And every pastor is really just trying to come up with a clever way of, say, going to all the world to preach the gospel. Like We like try to make it sound cool or whatever, but we fail. So really, we're, it's just, we're, we're, we're called to preach the gospel, make disciples, and, and, and to partner with people who are doing the same thing. Amen? That's it. But what I did come out of this with, and I want you to hear this from me, um, I, I'm more sure than ever, and, and please understand, I don't mean that I went into this unsure of this. I mean that I'm more sure than ever of the blessing of, of what I get to do. And, and what I mean by that is that this is all I want to do. All I want to do is spend the rest of my life loving and serving, teaching and leading this house. Um, I, I'm, I'm working on ordering my tombstone. It's just going to say husband of Ty, father of Adonai, Malachi, and Balencia, pastor of Sozo Church. That's it. That's the, like, that's, that's the totality of all I want to do is, is to, 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 to do that. And, and I wanna, uh, the reason I bring that up is I want to say thank you for the opportunity to do that. Um, thank you for the, the, the privilege of being able to, to be up here and do what I, what, what I feel called to do. Uh, it's an honor, it's a privilege, and, and thanks, thanks for, for that opportunity. So um, with all that being said, let's jump into the Word. Amen? Let's get to work. Um, we got a lot to cover this morning. Uh, when, when, when I kind of knew I was taking this time out, uh, I, I knew I didn't want to ask anyone on the team to try to pick up in the middle of John, in the middle of a spot, in the middle of a book, in the middle of a thing, and try to figure out where my ADHD brain was going with all of it. Uh, so, so as I begin to seek the Lord, really something that's been on my heart for a while, and I'm going to talk specifically about this toward the end of the message, but is really our time of response. And, 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 and the three men did a, did a fantastic job of trying to present that to us. If you've hung around with us for any amount of time, you know that we say that we respond to God when he speaks. We respond through celebration. We respond through contemplation. We respond through communion. And so what, what I asked them to do is, hey, can we take some time and look at each one of those three elements and, and kind of dive into it? Um, and, and, and when it comes to communion, I, I often try to separate and split those into two aspects. I'll say we, we commune one with another and we partake in the Lord's Supper, the, the, the Eucharist, the communion, the, the, the bread and the wine, the bread and the cup, right? We, we commune that way uh, with the Lord and with, with his gifts. And so, so, so what I did is I wanted to split those two things up. And honestly, my hope was to just get back to John, because really, I think we need to get back to John. However, uh, my wife informed me that she knows me better than I know myself, and that if I don't give myself a week to talk about this, I will spend more than two weeks talking about it over the course of one week. Y'all tracking with me? So uh, we are going to take, we're going to take this week and look at the aspect of communion that, that, uh, that we didn't touch on in the series, the actual elements of bread and the cup. So, so I, I want to talk to you, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down as a title if you need one, uh, it is the table of the Lord. The table of the Lord. And, and, and here, here's, 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 let's just lay out a few things. Communion, cool. The, the Lord's Supper, cool. Eucharist, cool. Bread and wine, cool. The, the, the body and the blood, the, the bread and the cup, all, all of these terms are fine. If, if I said Eucharist and you kind of like your toes curled because you're like, is he Catholic all of a sudden? Uh, real quick, Eucharist literally means the sacrifice of celebration. So in a sense, we could say all of our response is Eucharistic. 
right? It's a celebration of the sacrifice of what he's done. So, so calm down. All those words are good. Let me say another th- quick thing here real fast. I, I know that some of you, sadly, have never really thought much about communion. It's just like a thing you do at church. It's like, it's like the snack at the end of the service, right? It, and and I, hope, I hope to elevate your understanding a little bit. Come on. Talking to the charismatics in the room. Uh, we want to elevate your, uh, your understanding, hopefully, this morning uh, of communion. For, for some of you, uh, uh, you, just, you just come into this whole time with a whole lot of confusion because you, you were like me, and maybe you went to a lot of different churches, and so therefore you heard all kinds of different stuff, and you heard, you heard Christians uh, uh, arguing about something that clearly was supposed to bring us together. Right, and, and we wanna divide over something that really, 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 really could be thought of as like the family meal, and we wanna like huck stuff at each other, which depending on your family, yeah. Um, so so, so for, for you, I, helped, I helped, hope to kind of bring some clarity to all of this. And then for another group of you, I know you have super, super hard convictions about this, and you, you, you really kind of, kind of kind of hold tightly to what you were taught maybe when you were young or the, the, the tradition that you came from. And, and for you, again, I hope to bring some clarity and, and, and hope to, to, to expand our understanding and really see this as something that should draw us together, even, 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 even though there's a diversity even amongst this house in how we might think about this particular thing called communion. So, so I do plan to get to Nehemiah, but only if we have time at the end. So if you got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's go ahead and stand to your feet. Even though Jeremy was rebellious and didn't let you do this, I know, I'm sorry, we'll talk to him. Um, chapter 11, we're gonna go to verse 23. We're gonna look at Paul's instructions to us in this area of communion, and then we're gonna jump to to the Psalms, and it's gonna be good, amen? Come on, do you agree? All right, Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23, it says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, that no one ever wants to read. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Now, rewind in your Bibles to to Psalm 23. I wanna try to tie these things together. Psalm 23, familiar passage if you've been around the church at all or gone to a funeral, come on. Um, Psalm 23, hint, maybe, possibly, preview, possibly, maybe I'm lying, maybe I'm not, might be the series we do after John is Psalm 23. Um, Yeah, you got a long time to wait, so don't. That's why I can tell you that now, because y'all will forget anyways. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me 
in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together, church. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. God, we, we believe that what we have heard is your word. And yet at the same time, as we, as we thank you for your written word, we come here and, 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 and beseech you, ask you, implore you, God, that you would bring your living word out of your written word. Lord, that we would hear, as it were, the whisper within the word. That as we read the words, we would hear the, the, the voice behind the words. Bring these words to life. God, we thank you and we praise you for the, for, the, for the reality that you are a God who speaks. You are a God who responds to your people. You are a God who meets those who wait on you. And so, God, we, we do just that. We wait on you, we cry out to you, and we expect to meet with and receive from and hear you today. Lord, all days and all moments are yours. And yet there is this, this thing that you have set apart that makes this moment uniquely yours. For you said where you said also you said that, that, that wherever wherever we are, you're with us, that you would never leave us, that you would never forsake us, that your presence abides. And yet you also said that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are. There's a uniqueness to your presence here today, Lord. There's a uniqueness in this room that wasn't here before we gathered, that won't be here after we gather. So we want to we want to we want to take take heed of this moment. We want to walk circumspectly in this moment. We want to take our steps carefully. Because it's in this moment, God. It's in this moment that we receive. It's in this moment that we respond. Lord, come and have your way. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? All right, greet somebody, high-five somebody, get to know somebody real fast, and then sit down. Amen, amen, amen. Y'all are friendly.
the table of the Lord. Let, let's, 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 look, let's look at communion. Let's, let's dive into this. Uh, I want to be clear. Um, there is a vast spectrum in this teaching. So, so, so let me just lay out what I want to do. I, I want to I I I try to talk to our heads for a few minutes up front and then try to talk to our hearts for a few minutes uh, at the end. Does that work? So, so whichever one you like, endure the other one and be blessed. Um, so so I, th- there's a certain level of understanding. I think we need, when I say this, that, that, that there's a spectrum within Orthodox Christian thought, teaching, and belief when it comes to communion, that, that you can believe a, a, a host of things and still be considered a fully, completely a, a believer. That these are non, let me say it another way, these are non-salvific issues. You don't have to agree with these things to be saved. Are, are we tracking together? This is odd for us because we don't normally as a church deal with these kind of things. We, we like to live in the meat, amen? But, but I think it's important because I think there's a, a necessary uh, growth that can happen to us as it relates to the way that we respond as we grow in our understanding of these things. So, 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 so vast spectrum can be massively oversimplified uh, by, by kind of lumping these two categories, these, 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 these perspectives into two categories. Uh, there, there's primarily two. Uh, one would be the transformational camp, and the other would be the remembrance camp. And both of these camps jump onto specific words spoken by Jesus at what we call the Last Supper. The, the transformational group would latch onto the, the words where Jesus says, This is my body. The remembrance camp would, would jump onto, can you figure it out? The do this in. You awake this morning? Do this in remembrance of me. So, so you've, got the, you've got the transformation camp. They, they, they want to look at that. You've got, the, you've got the remembrance camp. They want to kind of pull toward that perspective. And so to look at sort of the, the big camps within these two overly simplified camps, uh, first it, you would have in the transformational camp, you would have uh, the, the view that the elements are themselves to some degree, to one degree or another, changed or transformed into the actual body and blood of Jesus. Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopals, would all kind of fall into this. Chances are the more uh, ceremonial, structured, liturgical your church expression is, the more likely, not always, but the more likely you will kind of lean into that camp. That tribe will lean into that camp. Two main kind of viewpoints in this, transubstantiation, this would be the the viewpoint of the Catholic Church. Because it's the viewpoint of the Catholic Church, uh, I went ahead and just quoted their books because I got news for y'all. I know we're not Catholic as a church, uh, but uh, they write way more than we do. I was told, I don't know if this is true, but I believe it. Uh, I was told that the, that, you know, the, the larger an organization is, this, this part is true, uh, the larger an organization is, the more likely they are to think further into the future. Right? Like businesses, I mean, how many of y'all realize that, 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 that Amazon isn't thinking about their profits next week? They're thinking about their profits 10 years from now. They're planning and strategizing that way. There's a video actually of, of Steve Jobs back in, the, back in the late, mid to late 80s, literally describing the iPad. That's how far ahead he was thinking, right? Well, I was, I was told, this is the part I don't know, I haven't verified, but that the Catholic Church is planning 100 to 150 years into the future. They're just better at some stuff than us, church. Come on, can we just, like, like I know probably what I'm mostly gonna preach on next week. Here's what, here's what they said. They say about transubstantiation. By the consecration of the bread and wine, 
there takes place a change of the whole substance of the bread into the substance of the body of Christ our Lord and of the whole substance of the wine into the substance of the blood. That's the Council of Trent in 1551. That's where they solidified this doctrine. Transubstantiation literally means trans, means to change. Substantiation means the substance. This is what they believe. So they believe that at, when the priest uh, uh, blesses, when he does the, the when, 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 when the consecration happens, that those elements shift and their substance becomes that of the blood and the, uh, the body. They, they, don't, they don't deny that it's still bread and still wine. They just say, no, it's not actually that. It's the substance has been transformed. The kind of step cousin of transubstantiation would be something that, that Luther uh, came up with, something called consubstantiation, though you need to be, understand Lutherans don't like that word anymore because they're Lutherans. Consubstantiation means together. Con, together, substantiation still means substance. It didn't change. Consubstantiation, <laughs> together, substance. So, so what this would be out of Luther's writings um, is that after the consecration, the blood and body of Christ are in, with, and under. Those are the three words they'll use. In, with, and under the bread and the wine. That is that they exist together. Uh, this I did not get from a specific Lutheran writing. I just called up my Lutheran pastor friend. <laughs> I said in one sentence, explain uh, consubstantiation, and this is what he said. So there you go. Um, the, 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 the way I said, can you help me understand that because I have to teach it? And he said, don't. And I said, but I need to. And he said, don't. And I said, I need to. He said, fine. Um, so, so, so the way that I liked this analogy to understand this, whereas the, whereas the, the, the Catholics, the transubstantiation would say the, the substance shifts and becomes something different. Consubstantiation is described this way uh, within Lutheran circles. It's like a water and sponge, right? When you, when you put a, a sponge in water, it soaks up that water. Now you can move the sponge. Did you move the sponge or did you move the water? Yes, but is the sponge the water? No, it is the water, the sponge. No, they're, they're, not, they're not saying it becomes something different. They say it's, again, these are the words they like, in, with, and under. I'm not gonna spend too much time teaching on because when a Lutheran tells you to give it up, you just, just you move on. Um, it's like your team doesn't even want me teaching on your things. So in contrast to this, we have sort of the camp of the memorial view. In the memorial view, the bread and wine are merely symbols reminding us that Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed for us. This is the memorial view. The elements have less importance here. This is often why uh, uh, there's, there, there can be sort of a, 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 a dismissal sort of of the elements as kind of inconsequential because of this viewpoint. It's just a memory. It's just sort of a, a thing that we go through, a, 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 an act of just kind of reminding us, oh yeah, Jesus' body was broken, his blood was shed, and that was done for me. That's, that's sort of the mindset of this. And and so you have these two camps. And in the midst of this, specifically around the Reformation, it's not, I'll put this back up real fast, it's not by chance that the Council of Trent got together in 1551. Because you see, during the Reformation, happened in the early 1500s, this whole idea of communion sort of became a battle. This, it became one of the, the battlegrounds upon which even the reformers, even the Protestants, even the people who all agreed they didn't want to be Catholics anymore still didn't know what to do with communion. Because, because listen, and, and I want to just talk to you for a second, because I know that probably most of you, if you were raised outside of liturgical circles, were raised with a memorial view. It's just something we do in remembrance. It's just kind of like, that's just sort of the, the thing that we do. And here's what you need to know real fast, just real quick. No one on the planet believed that until about 500 years ago. 
That was a foreign concept to Christians until about 500 years ago. For the first 1,500 years of the church, everyone believed to one degree or another in transubstantiation, that it was the actual body and blood. So, so the Council of Trent, while all of this is kind of uproaring in the, the Reformation, it starts to kind of bleed into the Catholic Church. They have a council, and they come up with this definition. They, they, they double down, and it becomes not, listen, not only doctrine, but dogma, meaning you can't be Catholic if you don't agree with this. You are, you are, you are excommunicated from the church if you disagree with this, especially in leadership, in, 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 in roles of, of, of ministry. You have to 100% hold to this. And so what I find interesting is that in the midst of all of this sort of debate, one guy sort of arises and I think finds a third way. Because here's the reality. Where, 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 where I personally see great, great value in the transubstantiation model is that it, it understands the weight of what's taking place. There's, there's a weightiness there. The transitional model, it, it shows us that, that, that there is value to be had here. That Jesus did say, listen, listen, Jesus said, this is my body. Memorial friends, you have to deal with that. You can't just go, he just didn't mean it. <laughs> Most common answer I get when I have conversations with So what do you think he means by that? I don't think he meant it. <laughs> You checked your brain at the door. We have to deal, we, we have to look at what he said. Paul warns us, that's why I read the verse, he warns us that there's a mishandling of the body and blood. Not, not the bread and the wine, the body and the blood. We've got to wrestle with that. We have to deal with this. And I think the transformational camp gets this right. Where it goes wrong, in my opinion, is the logical illogicalness of it. Right, the, the logical response to the illogical teaching because here, here's what ends up happening and, and I don't mean any disrespect to my Catholic family but, but listen, when, when you say that this becomes the body and blood, you make it another incarnation and therefore what's then required in Catholicism is a veneration and a worship of the elements themselves as divine. I just, I love, I love my Catholic friends, I can't go there with you. I can't worship, I'm sorry, it, it's comical. I can't worship bread. I mean, I know he is the bread, so like, I, get, I get it, right? Like, and, and I come from a long line of guilt-ridden Catholics, so I get it. All the people laughing in the room are Catholic, just so y'all are clear. Why are they guilty? You would never understand. Um, I just can't go there. I, just, I, I, can't, I can't get to that place. It's, it's the logical conclusion of the illogical teaching. Where I think the memorial people get it right, where I personally find value there, is that they understand that there was a singular act of sacrifice that we point back to. There's not this perpetual sacrifice being made. He, he died, the scriptures say, come on, once for all. We don't need to sacrifice him every week. We need to remember it. We need to be reminded of it, amen? But we don't need to do it again. <laughs> He, he did that. He accomplished that. It is finished. Where it falls apart is in the flippant nature of it. To the point where, ugh, I've literally had conversations with pastors that have told me, ah, it doesn't matter what you use. 
One, 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 one pastor literally said, I think you can use like Oreos and orange juice, which real fast, if you're eating Oreos and orange juice together, call forth the elders of the church, let them anoint your head with oil and cast out whatever demon you have. Because orange juice and Oreos together is like eating battery acid. That's disgusting. Just stop. Don't use that for anything ever. I'm going to get an email. Somebody's going to I think it's delicious. Welcome to America. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. I think we can get too flippant about it. And so what I love is that a guy come, came along in the 1500s, a, a pretty good thinker, got some things wrong, got some things right, a guy named John Calvin. And he proposed what he called the spiritual presence view. In the spiritual presence view, the Holy Spirit affects communion so that those who partake of the bread and wine in faith are also, by the power of the Holy Spirit, being nourished by the body and blood of Christ. So he, he, would, he would talk this way, Calvin would. He would say, in communion, and I love this about Calvin, he would say, there's a mystery. Come on, if you're a Christian, you gotta learn to be comfortable in mystery. Where, where God makes things clear, we have to stand firm. And where God leaves things a mystery, we have to leave them a mystery. Much of the, the warring within the church, much of the confusion within the body of Christ, much of the, of the problems in the earth are because Christians try to make what's solid fuzzy and what's fuzzy solid. This is one area that's fuzzy. And, and here's what he would say. He would say that whether it is the, 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 the presence of Jesus bodily that descends on the bread and wine, or whether it is through them that we ascend to him, regardless, we commune with him in the act of communion. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put my cards to the table real fast. As a church, where does Sozo fall in this? Are we transubstantiationists? Are we, are we consubstantiationists? Are we, well, where are we? I would say this, this is, if you've been through our membership class, you'll understand this language. If you haven't, go to our membership class. Um, this is an open-handed, or what we call a dot issue for us. This is something we are more than happy to discuss and disagree about. But we're not okay with being divisive over. So as long as you don't be divisive, we can continue to discuss and debate this. And hopefully, as we walk through that, find the boundaries of the mystery and the boundaries of the solid. Amen? Here's what I would say. If you are hardcore in the ditch on either side, this place is probably going to be very uncomfortable for you. Because nowhere ever, never... Can I see our elders allowing anyone to worship the bread and the cup? So if you're a hardcore transubstantiationist, you're gonna be mad that, that this is happening. By the way, if you're a hardcore transubstantiationist, you wouldn't go to church here. Because um, there's not a priest, there's no, there's no convocation, there's no like, right? But if that's you, and you're here, and you're just really hoping to try to convince everybody that that's the only way, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to leave, I'm just saying, prepare to be uncomfortable. It's just not us. However, if you're a memorialist, it's just like, oh, who cares? It's just kind of flippant, whatever. Like we can chuck the stuff across the floor and my kids can munch in it during the communion time. And we can just kind of go around, whatever. I'm gonna say, you're gonna be uncomfortable here because listen, we do this every week. This is a serious portion of our service. We take it seriously. There's weightiness to it. So as long as you're not in those ditches, we're fine. Personally, this is, this is me taking off my senior pastor hat and just putting on my, I'm a member of this church. What do I think? I would say, 80 to 90% of the time, I, I would be in this spiritual presence camp, and, and 10 to 20% of the time, I would be in the consubstantiationist camp. Or a better way to put it is that, like, I, 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 I'm simultaneously all of those things and just argue in my own head. 
ultimately, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want, putting my pastor hat, my, my, my leading this church hat back on. Here's ultimately what I want to get us to. I want to get us to a place where we see this as the table of the Lord. What I mean by that, not, not, as, in, not as, a, as an invention of man, not as the religious ritual of a religion, but as a gift given to us by God for our good. And that way, it's in a certain sense, I would use sacramental terms for it. Do I believe you can, you can never take communion again? If you've, if you've repented and believed, you can never take communion again and you will get to heaven. Yes. So I don't think it's, a, it's an impartation of saving grace. But that doesn't mean there's not grace in it. So here's, what, here's, where, I wanna, here's where I wanna talk to our hearts a little bit. Here's why I think it's important. At the table of the Lord, we learn some things. I mean that in that, yes, we are reminded of some things. Do this in remembrance of me. But I also believe in the transformational reality that there are some things imparted to us as well. So let's just look at these real quick. The first thing I think we see is that he's good. Come on, he's good. Come on, I don't know about you, but, but I, I need sometimes not just a reminder. I need a tangible, come on, I need tangible evidence of his goodness. When everything globally is, 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 is not going the way that I think it ought to go, come on. When everything, when everything nationally is not going the way, when everything regionally, when everything in my family, when everything in my interior world is not moving in the direction that I think it needs to, I don't just need words being told to me, hey, God's good. I need, a, I need an impartation of it. And I, I cannot find a better impartation than the broken body, come on, and the shed blood of Jesus. And here we do not just have a symbol. We have the substance of that. The Lord's table proves to me that he's good. It proves to me that, 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 that I have been sold a lie when I was told that he was anything ever other than always and only good. When, when even the evidence of my own behavior tells me he's not. The bread and the wine the table, remind me that he's good. I don't have time to preach this, but, but if, if, if you want to jump into it, 2 Samuel chapter nine, the story of Mephibosheth, my favorite, what I, what I wanted to talk about with community, I just knew I needed to do a little bit of teaching up front to make sure that we were all kind of together in this and people didn't feel left out. So, so but, but, but Mephibosheth is the, is the grandson of King Saul, the son of, of Jonathan. David becomes king after Jonathan and Saul have both been killed, David becomes king. And because of his covenant with Jonathan, he was, he, was, he was covenantally required to show kindness to Jonathan's offspring. So he sends out word, hey, is there any descendants left of Jonathan? Does, he, does any of his kids live? The interesting thing is, if you look at where it is in 2 Samuel, it's at the very beginning, the early stages of David's reign. It's like, once he got the kingdom settled, the first thing on his mind was, where is, this is literally what he says, are there any descendants of Saul and Jonathan to whom I can show kindness? Mephibosheth had been dropped as a child after his dad died. The people were rushing out. They didn't carry him well. Dropped, his legs were crushed. He was crippled. 
We don't know for sure, but the implications of the story are that he was raised always believing that David stole the throne from him. That he ought to be the rightful king. We can imply, we don't know this for sure, we can imply that he probably was, was working very hard to try to overthrow. He was probably believing that it was an illegitimate election. And he was working hard to try to, to figure this out. And, and, and I, I believe just, just from my own reading and my own understanding and my own heart, I, I believe he probably had a little faction of people that didn't like David and, and they kind of all got together and posted on Facebook about how bad David was. They might have even, they might have even been trying to, 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 to build together enough people to try to overthrow, to try to attack, to try to undermine, because that throne is my throne, he would think. I'm crippled because of him. And David, not because of anything Mephibosheth had ever done, but because of the relationship that David had with Jonathan, finds Mephibosheth hiding in a place with no provision and brings him into his presence. And the moment Mephibosheth enters the presence of David, he falls on his face, recognizing that all the stories that he'd been told about David were a lie. That David was good. David didn't have him gutted in the wilderness. No, he brought him into his presence. And because there was still residual fear, Mephibosheth falls on his face and cries out for mercy and, and, and David then informs him of the covenant that he's under that he was unaware of. Guess what, Mephibosheth? You can have all your dad's stuff back. I didn't take the throne to get your dad's stuff. You can have it all back. I'm gonna restore everything that you thought you lost. And oh, by the way, even though you have more than enough, I'm still gonna provide for you, you're gonna sit at my table. You're gonna eat like one of my sons. Is there a better picture of salvation in the Old Testament? I don't know, but I don't think so. By the way, that was me not preaching the story. <laughs> Study it for yourself, it's, it's phenomenal. But what I love, the one thing I want you to see is it shattered Mephibosheth's delusion that David wasn't good just like communion shatters ours, that God isn't good, that we're told that he withholds good from us. The, the, the table proves that's not true. It shatters the lie. Next thing, we learn that he provides for us. This is my body, he said, broken for who? It's broken for you. He didn't break his body for himself, he broke it for you. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He, okay, let, let me, I don't, I don't have time to unpack this, so just grab it and unpack it yourself. He is simultaneously, this just, he is simultaneously provider and provision at the table. He doesn't just say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll set out a table and I'll get some of my stuff and I'll give it to you. He says, I'm gonna give you myself. Because if you don't eat my body, come on, you don't drink my blood, you can't have life in you. So any other provision that he would provide for us other than the provision of himself would not truly be provision. And so as the provider, he has to provide himself. He gives himself to us. He provides for us all the blessings, all the benefits of the new covenant and the new creation rest fully on his capacity to provide them, not mine. 
Come on, I want to shatter somebody's religion this morning. Some of you think that Jesus died so you could get in and then work it yourself. That is a lie from hell, trying to keep you still in bondage to religion. So I was in a church, I thought I was in religion. You were misinformed because Jesus did not come, he did not live victorious, he did not triumph over Satan, he did not die so that he could found a religion. He, he did all of that so he could, he could utterly and totally obliterate all religion and bring people back to himself apart from works, lest no man should boast. Jesus is our provider and our provision. Next thing we see, that he was broken so we are whole. He was broken, so we are whole. Two things I want us to see here. First off, your status in the beginning as broken is irrelevant if he's whole. I'm gonna say that again because you missed it. If you're here right now and you would say, I am broken, I just feel like, like, like Isaiah, I feel undone, I feel shattered to pieces. That's irrelevant because he's whole. His wholeness trumps your brokenness. I can prove it to you even in the inferior shadow old covenant. You ready? When, when someone would come to the temple in the old covenant to worship God, they did that through the sacrifice of an animal. Amen? Right? We, we, we. Talk to me, you, right? Make sure that people that don't know this know that I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. The old covenant, we brought lambs, we brought, we brought turtle doves, we brought, we brought animals to be sacrificed. I'm the worshiper, this is the sacrifice. We, we, we tracking? Did you know that the priest never looked at the worshiper, it always looked at the sacrifice? And so you coming into his presence, he's not looking at you, he's looking at the sacrifice. And you're not the sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. We have a pure and a spotless lamb. John told it to us. Behold the lamb of God that what? Takes away the sin of the world. This is why I can stand up here and make everybody who's religious super happy with me when I say that sin is irrelevant. Sin does have, he took it away. We're now not called to live in a life where we constantly battle against sin. We're called to live in a life where we continually explore the goodness of God and his presence. Sin is irrelevant then. So his brokenness makes our wholeness. So if we're broken and he's whole, it doesn't matter. But, but he didn't stay whole. He allowed himself to be broken so that we could become whole. The priest looks at the sacrifice, and what the sacrifice is, is imparted to the worshiper. Let me say it this way. If you see the table, and you're reminded of your sin, you don't see the table. This is never to be a reminder of your sinfulness. This is to be a reminder of your righteousness purchased for you by his spilled blood, by his broken body. Is it 2 Peter 2.24? I 
by his, I know he's quoting Isaiah, but he talks about because he bore our, our sin upon the cross, by his stripes we are made whole. I made, I made whole. I, everything that went wrong with me is set right with me because of what he accomplished. The table teaches me that. The table imparts that to me, that reality. Next thing we see, that he loves us more than we know. For while we were still, come on, sinners, Christ did what? Died for us. I love the way, I almost read it, but I didn't, I didn't want to spend too much time in the, in the weeds of this, and I knew I would if I went there, so I'll just go there now. In Luke's description of the Last Supper, the institution of, of, of communion, Jesus says something, Luke quotes something interesting that Jesus says. He says, I have eagerly longed to eat this meal with you. Can you hear that? Not as something Jesus said to some dudes that lived a long time ago, but can you hear that as something that he's saying to you today? Because in, the, in that same text, he says, I'm not gonna eat it again until the kingdom has come. How many of you wanna admit the kingdom has come? That's a genuine question. <laughs> right? The, we, we live, come on, in the ever-expanding kingdom of God, which means that, that he's, he's now, again, eagerly waiting for us to take this, 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 this meal, to sit at the table with him. Because... Be, because he loves you. Because he loves, because he, the, the, not because he thinks you add to his portfolio. You don't. Just because he loves you. You are the object of God's affection. And the table reminds and imparts that to us. The body and the blood are the everlasting testimony that you are deeply and widely and really loved by God. And the last one, that he defeated the devil in death. It, pr it proves that to us. It imparts that to us. Where, where do I get that? Let me, I, real fast, Hebrews Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Of what? What did he partake of? Flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. By the broken body, the thing, he, 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 he partook of the same thing we have to show that as it was broken, as it was rent, what was actually happening was the defeat, come on, of the devil and death. So you, you have nothing to live in fear of. So you can live fully free to pursue him. And, and, and this is one I would love to get into when we have more time. But there is a thing in, in our fear of death that somehow keeps us enslaved to sin. That when we, when we realize that as New Covenant, New Testament sons of God, come on, we have nothing to fear in death. 
there is a liberty that comes in your life. I'm not just talking about you not being afraid to die. I mean, you realize you, you, it doesn't just make you not afraid to die. It makes you free to live. It makes you capable of just of, of doing whatever it is the Lord would call you to do. Because you see, so many of us are, are bound to sin because we're afraid we're missing out on something. Well, if I don't, if I don't do this, then I will, I'm missing out on some joy, some happiness, some peace, some, some, some enjoyment, some pleasure that I could have if I did it. And, and, and you know, my life's gonna end someday and I don't wanna miss out on all of this. And Jesus comes and shatters that and says, oh, by the way, when you die, the party just starts. So why are you afraid of missing out on anything? The table, the place where we learn, where, 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 where it's imparted to us that he is good, that out of his goodness he provides, that that provision comes from his brokenness, that that brokenness was motivated by his love, and through all of that we are free. I'm gonna keep saying this to us until we walk in here looking like we believe it. You are under no obligation to obey sin ever. You, you, you can live your life from this day forward ever growing in intimacy and awareness of his goodness and his love. You have permission to do that. I can say that I'm ordained. I'm allowed to say that. So whatever other joker preacher you heard in your life that told you you weren't, ignore him and listen to me. And tithe accordingly. Um, it's a joke. Calm down. I don't have time to read Nehemiah. You're welcome. Um, but I do want to talk about response. So let's stand up to make me talk faster, which won't work. Um, I know Doug touched on this. Uh, I do firmly believe this, that our time of response is the element upon which everything in our corporate gathering rests. I believe that. Um, let Let me say it another way. How we respond may be the most vital aspect of our time together. I don't mean how in the sense of um, the things that we do, though I do think the things that we do are important. Obviously, that's why we took the time to, to teach on these things over these, these last few weeks. Next week, we'll get back into John. Um, what I mean is not the, let me say it this way, not the content of our response, but the quality of our response. Um, if I, if, I can, if, I can, if I can do one thing over the course of the next few weeks and months as we try to harvest some fruit from the seeds that were sown in this series is this. Here, here's what I hope. I hope is this, that we can stop and I don't, I don't want to be harsh, but we can abandon the emotional response to, hey, worship team, come back up to, good, the service is about to be over. Hello? Okay, cool, cool. He's, he's going to stop talking. We can, we can get out of here. No, I, I hope, and, and maybe we need to, maybe we need to, honestly, maybe we need to look at the way we structure our service to, to help us with this, but 
this is the vital moment in our service. See, I think as long as we keep having a flippant attitude about response, okay, so, so he's gonna tell us we celebrate, we contemplate, we commune, whatever, like let's, let's, like, let's get through those things so we can, and this is where I don't wanna be harsh, but I have to pastor you, because you asked me to. dogmatic on this. Perhaps the reason why the best picture of your spiritual life is a carousel up and down and all over and around. Life just keeps kind of going up and down and I just feel like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe, maybe the reason for that has its roots in the fact that we have failed to capitalize on the responding portion of our relationship with the Father. Maybe it's because we just keep kind of coming in and running out. Because again, this is, I, I'm more convinced, this is another one of these things that over this last three weeks of being away as I just had time to meditate, spend with the Lord, like I'm just more convinced of that, that man, this, this, this journey from our head to our gut is the thing that is lacking in the Western American church. If, if good Bible teaching was going to save America, America would be saved. Fight me on that one. There is more good, there's also more garbage, but there's more good, solid Bible teaching available to you today than any other people that have ever lived on the entire planet. I would make the argument that probably if you added up all of the teaching that was before this, it wouldn't even equal the teaching that's fresh and new right now as far as availability. Your, the, the, the supercomputer glow cube in your pocket, you have every English Bible translation ever. You have access to free commentaries you have, you have preachers that you can just watch whenever you want. If good, if up here was really what needed to, 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 to be the thing we dealt with, it would be done, it would be over. We'd be living in the full expression of the kingdom, it would be completed. I think the problem is we, we've got a blockage somewhere between our head and our heart, between our head and our guts, between what we think and what we believe. You, you tracking with me? I can make you think stuff. That's the, that's, the, that's the permission you give me by hearing me talk. But I can't make you believe anything. And we wanna just hear it, go, yeah, that was good, I, I, I agree. We think agreeing is believing. Beloved, it's not. Even the demons in hell believe, they agree that Jesus is Lord, it doesn't change anything but they at least have a response. They shake. Some of us, I love you, we don't even do that. We come in and we, we worship about his, his otherliness, his holiness, we declare his worthiness. We hear the reality of, of his goodness and we just go, yeah, 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 let's, uh, come on, come on. I gotta get to the, the food trough before the other food trough people get there. 
I said food trough. I didn't say the other word. I'm being sanctification. We've got to, to take some time. And I, listen, I understand that this is just the beginning. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind. You ready? Here, if, if I haven't been you deep and intellectual enough for you, get ready. Here it comes. Ready? You ready? You ready? You can't do it if you don't start doing it. This is the start, and we skip it. We, this is the moment that everything drives toward. We try to structure it to give you time and space. We got people to pray for you. We, we have communion prepared for you. We have a worship team that's going to help you celebrate. We're trying to give you space to contemplate. But listen, if, you, if we don't believe that there's the value here, Could it be that, that, that the, the, the beauty and the joy and the majesty and the, the weightiness of his presence that we experience when we gather doesn't do the thing that it's meant to do within us is because we just want to rush through the part that actually does the change. PG-13 warning. We want the intimacy without the impregnation. I want, I want to enjoy it. I want to have fun. I want to, I want to feel good. But don't, don't put something alive on the inside of me that's going to change the way I have to you know, behave and believe and the way I have to interact with the world around me. Don't, don't do that. So we're going to take some time to respond. And I encourage you to make use of the time to respond. to celebrate. We're going to sing about him. We're going to take some time to think deeply and richly about what God is speaking to us. We're going to commune. One with another. We got, you might be here with a believer that you know and trust and you can just do that there and ask them to pray for you. By the way, that's fine. That's allowed. No one's going to come around. The, the, the prayer police aren't here. But we also have people that would love to stand and pray with you, meeting you back at the cross, regardless of what you're going through in your life. We want to commune one with another. The Bible says we should pray for one another. So we want to do that. We're also going to come to the table. We're going to learn. We're going to be reminded. We're going to have impartation. We're going to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. For this reason, I'll keep saying this. This is, listen, in this house, in this church, if you're a guest here with us and you're just kind of exploring Jesus and Christianity, welcome. We love you. We're glad you're here. Amen, church? Glad this is a good place for you to be. This is the best place you could be on a Sunday morning. And, and around here, I'm going to be honest with you, almost every door is open to you. You want to get involved, you want to get plugged, you want to join a group, you want to, you want to hang out, you want, to, you want to be a part of a team, you're welcome to do all those things. One of the only doors that's closed to you is this, communion, because Jesus gave it as a family meal. This is something that's, that, that he said only believers are supposed to do. So if you're not a believer here, I have two things to say to you. 
First off, why not? Seriously, Jesus is better than everything. I know you were taught, maybe you heard somewhere that Jesus is the cosmic killjoy. He's not. He actually says that he came so that he could, you could not only have your joy, you could have his joy. And his joy is superior in quantity and quality to your joy. Life is better with Jesus 100% of the time because Jesus is better than everything. So the Bible calls you then to repent and believe, to admit and abandon your, your sin, your old way of thinking, your old way of living, to admit it, to abandon it, and to embrace and entrust your life to Jesus. So if you're not a believer, why not? Do that right now, receive that right now, and come and take communion with us as part of the family. If you're still not ready to do that, we still love you. And we would say, don't, don't come up here and pretend like you're a Christian. You can just hang out in your seat. It's fine. No one's even going to notice. Because I don't mean this to be rude. Nobody cares that much. Just hang out. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to respond. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your elevating or descending presence. I, I, love, I love that that even Calvin couldn't figure that out, so I don't have to worry about the fact that I can't figure it out. I don't know whether through this table you come down and meet us here or spiritually we come up and meet you there. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you, Lord, I don't really care. I'm just glad I get to eat with you. I'm just glad you want, to, you want me at your table. I'm just glad that despite the fact that I thought for my whole life that you were mean and vindictive and angry that was a lie and you loved me so much that you shattered that lie do the work that needs to be done in the hearts of your people begin that work today begin that work today begin that work today Holy Spirit soften hearts unlock doors within our inner being that have been closed to you. Come and have your way. Church, let's respond to the Lord.